You're listening to the Sacker Cricket Show with Travis Wakeling, focusing on all things cricket in South Australia. Join the strikers in their quest for glory. Yes, you're back on the Sacker Cricket Show with Travis Wakeling and Gemma Barsby. We've just had a wonderful chat with Alex Price from the T20 Premier Cricket Competition. We've also had Dizzy with us on the show today and a great chat with Gemma to start. So if you have missed any of the show, don't forget you can catch up on our Saka Cricket Show podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Now we have our Night Watchman segment, which is a favourite part of the show for mine. Gemma, are you looking forward to it? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, great to get insight in in a past player and what they're up to these days. Love it. Well, today we have a Redbacks champion by the name of Paul Rofe. Paul played 70 first-class matches, and had an incredible record with the ball. We're going to talk about some of his exploits with the bat as well, but first of all, let's welcome him to the show. Welcome, Paul. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, it's a real pleasure to be on the show this afternoon. Love it. So what, what, are, you, what are you up to these days? You, are you still around Adelaide, or are you, are you living interstate? Um, so, Travis, I've been uh, in Melbourne for the last six and a half years. Um, we moved over, my family and I moved over, and my three boys and my wife, uh, Elspeth, moved over six and a half years ago um, to pursue my career in transport. Um, and like I said, I've worked for a few businesses, including Toll. Um, and I'm still in transport now, but strangely enough, I'm actually working for a company that's based out of Adelaide um, called Felix Transport. It's a newish uh, career business, and I look after the Melbourne uh, sort of operations over here at the moment. Great. Yeah, Paul. So obviously a former Redback yourself. Um, firstly, have you been watch, keeping an eye on the Redbacks? And if so, what have you probably thought of their last two years? Obviously, they've recruited a few interstaters. Uh, how do you see how they're going and what the future looks like for the Redbacks? Uh, I would like to think that they've actually turned a bit of a corner this year. Um, it's interesting you say that because uh, my son and I, Sterling, I've got a 13-year-old, 13, Sterling, who's a half-decent cricketer. We actually went down and had a really good watch of the guys training in, I think it was October, just during the school holiday period. Um, had a good chat to Diz um, and the lads and physio and stuff. And um, it was very fascinating listening to what they're focusing on. They said they really dug into the fact that they hadn't taken a lot of catches the last few years. Um, they really started to get to understand how to get more runs out of their tail enders um, and just really, really getting some clear parameters for their batsmen as well. Um, and based on what I was hearing from Diz um, and the guys in October, I think they've been able to um, execute a lot of that stuff, in certainly in the four-day games um, over the last few months. Um, so there's some pretty good signs there. I must, I must admit, it's always been challenging, in my opinion, to win a lot of games when you play at the Adelaide Oval because it is a, it is hot and dry. Um, and so some of the other teams you know, have uh, conditions that are more conducive to a victory. Um, but I think they're starting to, it's starting to look like they're getting, they're optimising their ability is the best way to put it. I think. Yeah, I think it's obviously an exciting time, time for the Redbacks now. Onto yourself, you had a wonderful career for South Australia and a record with the ball that stacks up with some of the great first-class cricketers out of Australia. How do you reflect on your career? Um, I, I It's funny, I've actually spent a lot more time around cricket recently because my boys are starting to grow up and I'm doing some coaching and that. But uh, I, was, I always speak that I was very grateful for the experience of being a professional cricketer for as long as I was. Uh, I had nearly 13 years in the system, um, which is a really long time compared to a lot of people who only get a few seasons. Um, and I got to experience basically everything. So I played junior under-19s for Australia. I um, played first-class cricket for South Australia for a long time, as you said. I got to play county cricket in England as a first-class pro. Uh, played Prime Minister's 11 games, Australia A, 
I was cricket of the year. I had like lots of things. Like um, I just had pretty much every experience. Probably the only thing I didn't do was play a test match, which um, you know, is just the way it is, right? Um, and so I just really love the fact that I could, when I walked away, I was like, I could, I almost sort of shrugged my shoulders and go, well, I've really been, I've tasted everything, if that makes sense. Um, and I think that's what I'm the most grateful for is that um, a lot of those, you know, depending on the, the scenario, you know, there might be three really good quicks in your state and, and you don't get a game, right? Um, or you have to move states. And I, and I didn't have to do any of those things. I just, I had an opportunity when I was very young um, and I was able to capitalize on that. And it meant that I had a very long and, and I would really say enjoyable career, I would say, um, in hindsight. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, like you said, you've got a son coming through the ranks now and you said you've played all around the world. Do you pass on much of that experience of, of what you've been through to, to your son or you kind of let him come through and develop his oh, own path? I'm, I'm giggling as you say that because um, <laughs> so early on, I think I was a bit more laid back around whether the boys played cricket or not. But now that all three of them are sort of into it and my oldest one particularly is starting to show some signs of being capable, um, it's a bit hard not to, <laughs> to give my two cents worth. Um, so, but on the flip side, I think I try to explain it to him and say, ultimately it doesn't matter where he ends up. Um, I think I just really enjoy the fact that they, we have something to share. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and really, and really like bond over. Um, and like we have some great cricket games now with the three boys in the backyard and myself and, um, and it's almost, you know, you have to pinch yourself. It's so exciting. It's so much fun. Right. Um, and it's actually made me really re almost re fall in love with, um, with cricket again after, you know, being away from it from a while whilst I got my career up and going. So no, it's a, it's a really, we're in a really actually special time at the moment in our house. Yeah, no doubt. Some pretty competitive backyard cricket games as well. <laughs> no, it's very good. It is funny though, watching the youngest who just flat out refuses to bowl. Uh, he just like, he just bats and bats and bats. As soon as it's his time to bowl, he just goes, oh, I'm tired. I'm going to go inside. So, no, that's the funniest. So they don't look back at your record, obviously. Well, that son in particular doesn't look back at your rec- your batting average. Obviously, you played seventy first oh, no, 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 class no, games. No, they know everything. They know everything about my numbers because they've all got phone. Oh, he's got a phone now. They know all about my stats. He goes, Dad, you, did you did you know that your high school was only twenty five? Like twenty five. That's terrible. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I said, Come on, man. I said, You don't know how hard the standard is. You like to face these boys. It's not that easy. Well, that's the whole reason you're on the show, mate, because of your batting. So oh, we... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I, just actually wanted... impro- I actually improved a lot over the years, so we can talk about that now when you're ready. That's right. Well, <laughs> well I just wanted to touch on, there was a really cool uh, initiative back in the day. You played in a time where batters could hit the ING sponsor sign and win 50 grand. Yes. Now, I don't think you ever hit that, but you did play in some games where uh, Graham Anu and Mark Cosgrove might have hit it. Correct. And what probably, so the prize money used to range between, I think it was 50 grand. Sometimes it, it, it uh, what do you call it, banked or it uh, rolled over every every week until it just kept going or jackpotted or whatever you call it so i think one year i'm certain there was a, a graham manu hit it was 70 or 80 grand or something wow. and so we all got a share of it um so when you see the footage like the replays of it so graham hits the sign and he and nathan adcock are standing in the middle and they're hugging and cheering <laughs> and all the boys in the rooms are going off as well because <laughs> they know they've all got five grand coming their way yeah. so um uh, it was, um, it's a, it's a very, when you look back at it, you go, it's a pretty corny sort of yeah. thing, but, um, bring it back. It I certainly, say. it certainly uh, stands out. You go, it kind of dates those games, but you go, Oh yeah, those signs. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and I remember like Steve, Steve war hit one. Someone from New South Wales hit one of the jackpot for like 200 grand. So, um, wow. there was some, and I, I think what you probably, we forget is that 
as players, like we did earn money back then. We were professionals, but we weren't earning the money they were earning. They are earning now, yeah. or at least the cash wasn't as much. So getting an extra 10 or 15 grand or whatever it was, um, you know, it was a significant impact. Absolutely. Well, I want to take you back to another game from those times. It was uh, November 2005. You were playing against Queensland in Adelaide and you had a pretty good game, actually. So you took four for 56 with the ball in the first innings. Mm-hmm. Queensland Queensland actually ended up making 360-odd and Andrew Simons hit half of those. So you played against a pretty formidable lineup and then you had some rain-affected days. Was four so South Australia at the beginning of day four was sitting at three for eighty nine in their first innings. Decided to declare. Queensland then declared at five for ninety nine, and then we had another opportunity to bat and make three hundred and fifty three. Mm-hmm. You were the last man standing at the end. What do you remember of that game? Can you can you talk our listeners through what was happening uh, at the end of that game? So. There's actually there's actually a backstory, like a personal backstory to that to that moment. In that, up until I, th- I think up until that season, I was probably averaging five, maybe four or five with the bat. Like it, it, it may have been as low as that, right? Um, and I actually started my career wasn't so bad. I, I remember I got off the off with an eighteen not hour or something like seventeen or whatever, and I wasn't that bad. But I really hit a wall. I reckon I got hit. I got pinned in the helmet really badly in Sydney one year. I just really lost my confidence and took and it was a couple of years and then i remember in 04 05 i was sort of i really scraping the bottom of the bowels i've got to address this like i can't i can't just let my batting keep going like this um and so that winter was the first uh, turning point in 2005 when i started to actually practice properly um and we came up with a new strategy so my mentor and i we said i sort of stopped we said let's stop worrying about your technique and let's worry about you making the most of what you have right which is you're big and tall um, and you've got a half decent cover drive. You're actually not bad in defence, but generally speaking, I just was like swinging at the ones that weren't there, that sort of thing, right? Yeah. So, and then we also just started practicing like just way more. So I'd like I would hit balls for an hour a day, right? Um, to try and get my my hours up. And um, I really turned the corner. So you know, I I believe that that game was probably one of the turning points where um, I think I faced you know it's twenty odd balls or something um, for the game. For their innings, twenty-three to be precise, or pro- twenty-three. Yeah. So prior to that, like I, I was, I would be lucky to face six balls. It had gotten so bad, um, and that was a turning point. And I remember it vividly because Andy Bickle bowled to me at the end. I'm certain, and I remember um, they were always very vocal, Queensland, very vocal. Like in, and in a time where you know, the, there was no sports, what do you call Spirit of Cricket Award, um, <laughs> like there is these days. So it, it was pretty, like they're pretty confrontational, which is it, it was par for the course back then. Um, but I can remember Andy Bickle, every ball he would bowl to me, he would run all the way down the wicket and stand within a, a, you know, a centimetre of me, just being silly. Um, and because they were sort of expecting that I would just topple over any ball. But uh, based on the practice I had done, I was like, no, I'm just going to be prepared to get hit if I get hit. Um, if I can take a single and get up the end, we'll take that. Um, and then I just started to work out, you know, that I could use my you know, teammate up the end, other end, to, if I could if I could scramble a single and get off strike, that's five balls I didn't have to face. And then we'd just do it again the next over. And right. you were batting with the best um, night watchman of all time, Dizzy, down the other end. Did he have any on advice? That, oh, no, exactly. Um, and I can still remember we had six slips in. And then I started to think about it. I was like, like, they've got no fielders. So a couple of times I actually bunted one. Um, to the league side and we scrambled a single and I didn't have to face the rest of the over and we just wasted, chewed up another five minutes. So um, for me personally, it was a really pivotal moment in my batting um, sort of, uh, what do you call it? 
aspect of my cricket. Um, and I think I, I remember vividly that season. I only got out twice. Ended up averaging nearly thirty that year. Well done. Um, yeah, compared Formidable. to five prior to that. So no, it's a funny one that you bring up because um, I not only was having a really good season with the ball that year. Um, it was just it was a it was a bit of a turning point for my all around cricket. And I can remember after the game. Um, oh, geez, Queensland were angry. I think they were just frustrated. They couldn't get me out. They're probably more embarrassed than anything. Um, and I remember them, uh, Andy Bickle chasing me. They were still having a crack at me after the last ball bowled as I was walking out the gate. And I think the umpires actually had to tell them to stop. Um, that's how frustrated they were um, about the situation, which actually just made me laugh in yeah. the end. Well, mate, um, it, was a, it was a very good bowling lineup. So for the listeners, you were facing up to uh, Andy Bickle, Michael Kasperwich, and a young Mitchell Johnson who was just coming through yes. the ranks at that time, and Andrew Simons in support with his, uh, with his offies. And I reckon, I would, from memory, I took the Andy Bickle end, and Dizzy took Mitchell Johnson, and I reckon I had to face two or three balls from Mitch out of that hour, you know, forty minutes or so that I batted. Um, and 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 it was and in and Andy Bickle was a good bowler, but facing Mitchell Johnson was I I, I don't know five times harder. Yeah, put it that way. Yeah, I can I can imagine he was very uh, all over the place and wayward, but could bowl a very fast ball early, oh, early and, in his career. And steep bounce for, yeah. uh, for a guy that was six foot three, steep bounce. Yeah. Unreal. No, no. So that's a very interesting memory, actually, that one, Travis. Yeah. Well, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. I'm sitting here with a smile of a Cheshire cat because I was a huge fan of uh, of the Redbacks coming through and used to sit in the stands and watch the uh, the Pura Cup and, and the ING Cup back in the day. And uh, it's great to have you on the show and uh, really appreciate it. And all the best uh, with, with your, the young fella coming through and, and your, uh, your career in, in Melbourne. And we look forward to seeing you back around Adelaide Oval at some stage. No, we'll do it. No, I'll be over there for Christmas seeing mum and dad and, um, and parents-in-law and everything. So, no, no, uh, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be able to uh, revisit some of that stuff because uh, all those memories are buried in there and it is a joy, like you said, to walk through it because, um, as I was saying, it's a very unique experience that all of us get to have playing at that level. Thank you. And thank you to Paul Rowe for coming on the Saka Cricket Show this week. So we have... No show next week, unbelievably. We've just done two, and now we have to have a break because it's Boxing Day. So all I can say, Gemma, is thank you for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on, and let's get you on some more. I think you've, I think you've earned yourself another spot. Oh, thank you, thank you. And, yeah, hopefully I can rejoin you in the future. Absolutely. You got some plans for Christmas, Gem? Yeah, going back home to Brisbane and spend a week up there with the family, so that would be nice to get back there and relax and switch off for a little bit. Beautiful. That sounds wonderful. Well, don't spend too much time up there because we want you back playing some cricket for the Scorpions for the rest of this season. Well, to all of our SEN listeners and Saka Cricket Show fans, we are wishing you a very Merry Christmas. Don't forget that if you got the time tonight, head down to Adelaide Oval and support the Strikers. Otherwise, we'll see you New Year's Eve. Have a wonderful Christmas break and we'll see you early January. Cheers.